You're listening to Rock Bottom Radio, broadcasting from deep in the turf net zone. Here's your host, Randy Wilson. Hello and welcome to Rock Bottom Radio. Today, while we're in the pro shop decorating a Christmas tree, we've got a Christmas tip for dealing with children during the excitement of the holidays. We've got an in-depth look at how to speed up your golf course. We also have a Christmas golf story in story time. I can't believe you started without me. Well, you know the rules. You're late. But I was working on my helpful Christmas tip segment, had to wrap these gifts. I don't think showing folks how to wrap gifts will play well on radio. I ain't showing them how to wrap. I'm helping parents control them little pack monsters all hopped up on sugar and driven wild by stories of Santa Claus. You know, when I was a kid, we were told that old St. Nick wouldn't bring us any presents if we were naughty, and, you know, it seemed to work just fine. You're so out of touch, it's pitiful. Look, nowadays kids will call a lawyer and sue over that kind of stuff, not to mention the whole Santa is watching you thing. Kind of has that NSA surveillance state feeling to it. You just can't use scare tactics with the little ones anymore. Well, then what do we do? Well... Wrap a couple of empty boxes real pretty, and every time them kids get sassy and say something mean on Twitter, just toss a gift in the fireplace. Hmm. This explains why Bodell keeps putting the fire out. If you visit Rock Bottom Country Club very often, you know we're sponsored by Vinyl Guard for Golf, and we just want to take a moment to thank you for supporting Vinyl Guard, because they make a great product for golf. It's just the kind of thing that skeletal golf demands. It's practical, cost-effective, and good-looking. We at Rock Bottom would like to thank Vinyl Guard for sponsoring us every year. Hey, I think your Wi-Fi is busted. I can't get my GPS working. Got lost out there on the backside. I canceled our internet. It costs too much just so old coots like you can sit in a cart and watch your stories when you should be out there marshalling. If play gets any slower, folks will take up knitting just to have something exciting to do. Call me an old coot out of bust your... Hey, stop that. I swear, I think you need more anger management training. No, I don't neither. I just need a better job. Folks was more respectful toward me when I was a senator. Hey, Beauregard, I haven't seen you in a while. How's it going? Oh, it's it's going all right. I think I walked nine. Okay, that'll be $6. But, you know, for 10 you can go 18 holes. No, no, I only have time for 9 Say, what happened to your nose? Looks like somebody poked you. Yeah, I was, I was waiting behind this old lady at the ATM, you know, at the Piggly Wiggly, and she asked me to check her balance, so I pushed her. Y'all, I picked up that new air fire, so... Hey, you're supposed to be out there marshalling. Now get... Mama, you got to quit doing that. Beauregard thought you meant him, and he was going to pay cash. Ludell, get out there and unload that air fire and get Buddy to prep it. And where is Buddy? He's writing on his blog. You know what they say, give a person a fish and you feed them for a day. Teach them to use the internet and they won't bother you for years. Okay, it's that time of year for... Today's Skeletal Golf Projection As the mad golf prophet, 
I am projecting my official long-term prediction for golf. You know how each generation does something to infuriate the previous generation? Like, you know, they choose music guaranteed to irritate their elders. They favor clothes that cause all sorts of discomfort in their parents, and they adopt lifestyles, morals, values, even spiritual beliefs that reject what their parents taught them. Well, I predict it's about to happen again, beginning within the next ten years. The children of the millennials will revolt by turning away from the worship of technology. They'll probably go all retro, you know, like that book, uh, Ecotopia, and ridicule the helpless dependence on the techno-support system their parents need to live. Hey, I'm just saying. But it'll be good for golf, because the anti-techs will take up golf in big numbers, playing the game the way it was meant to be played. Unless, of course, we allow this current techno-perversion of the game to continue. So let's keep the game simple and rugged, fun and fast, and when the pendulum swings back, golf will be in the perfect spot. Now, as promised, a short webinar on how to speed up your golf course. As golf course superintendents, there's not much we can do directly about slow play, but we can advise, suggest, and recommend. Typically, the first thing people think about with slow play is the Marshall program, but really, those guys are just there for the golf privileges. Their marching orders come from the pro, and the pro really doesn't want to alienate players at the Muni or provoke members. Marshals aren't going to push the guys they play with. So, naming the Marshals player ambassadors or some other Ministry of Truth moniker is just public relations. Somebody thought it up in propaganda land. Tell you what let's do. Let's analyze the top five true causes of slow play. Coming in at number five, too many bunkers. Most bunkers are just for looks, and they're not fun. In a logical world, we'd turn half the bunkers into mounds. You know, the famous inverted bunker. Fill them, sod them, and mow them. But upper tier courses can't do that, and anything they do always trickles down to the rest of golf, no matter how irrational. See, bunkers really only affect hackers. Bunkers give the low handicappers help in the form of depth perception aids, and Bunkers are the one area that crosses over from slowing down golf to making golf expensive. With the tour cupcakes demanding perfectly consistent bunker hazards, see that trickles down. The cost of bunker maintenance can rival and often surpass green maintenance, and that's just Twilight Zone stuff right there. I remember touring a course under construction with an architect who had no clues to how golf was actually played. In fact, he admitted it took him a beer cooler full of balls to play 18, and he pretty much placed bunkers just to sell house lots. He had no interest in strategic bunkering. Another architect I walked the course with in its early stages, um, well, this course vanished after a few years, but he favored narrow fairways with catch bunkers here and there, and there was one big, high-flash, bleach-blonde monster 40 yards behind the green, totally out of play, and if you lined it up, it aimed at the most expensive lot on the course. At number four, greens too fast. A recent USGA study that was poo-pooed by the internet expert golfers who love fast greens said fast greens might be helping to slow things down. In truth, fast greens cause the yips, which result in putt stalking, backing off, three-foot birdie putts that are always followed by four-foot par putts, fewer cup placements, and having to always hit the ball below the hole, and it'll still roll off somewhere. 
I once putted greens on a major course the day of a practice round on champion Bermuda. Uh, I think they were rolling 14-5. Even Tiger said they were too fast. The cup changer couldn't find a place to put the cup on one hole during the practice round. The balls kept rolling off down the fairway. You know, back when seven was fast, yips were rare. We just walked up and hit it. We never even heard of fungicide back then, and, you know, we were mowing it three-sixteenths or on up to a quarter. But it's not just putting. Fast greens make approach shots terrifying, and chipping on greens over 11 can cause seizures. But, of course, the barstool golf experts think green speeds don't slow things down. At number three, courses too long because of the steroid Super Bowl. It's odd, but something obvious like this seems to baffle folks in power. They pretended the solution to slow play was tee times too close together. We got paralyzed by grooves and wedges, and they thought that if they attacked long putters, we would think they were doing something, you know, diversion tactics. Our government does the same thing every day. We should be used to it. Anyway, longer waits on par fives and longer courses drive up operational costs, and that means the exorbitant green fees subconsciously trigger golfers to play slower to get their money's worth. Then there are those folks that say, play fast? What are you in such a hurry for? Relax and dawdle. Enjoy your time on the course. Enjoy? Like enjoying my time in a traffic jam? I want to play fast so I can play 36 holes in the same time you want to get in 18 at your glacier pace. My brother and I used to walk 18 in two and a half hours, grab a sandwich, muffin, and coffee, and play 18 more and still have time to water the greens. At number two, it's the pre-shot routine, or the PSR. The PSR has had a very negative effect on speed of play. TV and teaching pros in the 90s began teaching this heresy and pretty soon every other golfer that passed us while we were out working on the course was either acting out their own version of golf in the kingdom or practicing some kind of tantric yoga golf visualizations while chanting Un Yaleman and sometimes starting all over again if they got interrupted during their magical incantation by a guy hosing a hotspot two fairways away. It's in the math. If a golfer only adds 30 seconds to each shot and he shoots 80, that's 40 extra minutes. Maybe if they would begin casting their golf spell so they could hit it when the other guy hit, okay. But no, they have to wait until it's their turn to begin their little performance. And where do you think they learned that? TV. And these same people infected with PSR will say, I don't care if PGA play is slow, it doesn't affect my game. Well, if you stood where the superintendent stands on the sidelines watching this slow parade of golf dysfunction, you'd realize it does affect your game. The PSR has slowed the game down to a point where a sloth looks quick as a bunny, and it's on the greens where the mimicry of the tour cupcakes has gotten outrageous, especially when golfers learn to Keegan dance or imitate Furyk's painful backing-off ritual. And there's that German fellow who's so slow that, well, if I was his caddy, I'd be tempted to poke him occasionally for signs of life. But none of these, none, I say, are guilty of slowing golf down to the point where people quit. So what is the big guilty factor? At number one, it's the rough. And that's something we as superintendents could have some influence on. Lost balls in the five-minute search or the walk of shame back to the tee, you know, this really slows golf down. Water hazards have some effect, but hey, you usually know when the ball went in from the liquid shrapnel flying around. But rough, and not just deep rough, but any rough causes lost balls. When I played a lot of golf in the 60s and early 70s, we had very little rough. 
First, we had to mow rough with a bush hog because we didn't have anything else to mow it with. And it was hard to get it down below four inches, and since golf balls are a lot smaller than four inches, you know, well, we mowed everything we could with our fairway gang unit. If it was good turf, we gang mowed it, usually about five-eighths or close to that. And if you lost a ball, it was because you knocked it completely off the golf course. That was common because the balls back then had some spin in them, some actual life, not these modern self-correcting knuckle balls. Anyway, it all began to change when TV showed us, in saturation, the narrow outline U.S. Open fairway. Now, I'd seen narrow fairways before, usually when caddying for Dad when he tried to qualify for a PGA tournament, but when I went to the 1976 Open at Atlanta Athletic Club and witnessed 20-yard wide fairways with Bermuda rough, Lord have mercy, it was penal. And then a strange thing happened. All the local golfers who went to that tournament, you remember, it's the one where Jerry Pate hit that miracle recovery shot on 18? Anyway, when they came back to Mystery Valley, they demanded Dad duplicate that look. Of course, Dad said no, because he understood golf, but eventually he was ordered to do it by these spineless politicians, and pretty soon our play went way down, and Mr. Valley slowed way down, and I stopped playing for about a year. Years later, as a municipal superintendent, I mowed wall-to-wall, and most golfers loved it. But there was always that vocal few who said it wasn't a real golf course unless it had narrow fairways and deep rough, and they said it was too easy, and... When I asked them if they shot 62, they said no, they shot 95, but they wanted a challenge. One obnoxious old purse swinger even wrote to the local newspaper claiming I was thwarting his golf dreams by not giving him deep rough, and I tried to explain we were a flood course, and if it rained, I couldn't mow for 10 days and rough would be knee-high, but he still complained and complained, and the spineless politicos ordered me to do something. So I sprayed the rough with colorant to make it look like an outline fairway, and I used a lot of plant growth regulator. I can't say what I did about that golfer because I don't know if the statue of limitations is up yet. Anyway, the best thing we could do is to stop with the artistic fairway patterns that look like a giant argyle sock and just start mowing as much fairway as we can. Make golf fun again, not claustrophobic and slow like it is now. Now, I know that a lot of you youngsters in golf think I'm some goofy old codger, and maybe you're right. But I was there when golf was at its strongest, and I saw the money people come along and loot golf like they were the villains in an Atlas Shrugged movie. That was during golf's peak, not the golf real estate peak, which was unnaturally driven just for greed and quick profits. Golf was kind of like a teenager on steroids, pushed hard for the short term with no concern for the long-term effects. Then the inevitable decline began, and the same villains began to yell about ways to keep the gravy train going, not caring how much they damage the game we love. It's like this. Golf was and is sustainable at a more realistic level not the Vegas showgirl level of the past 20 years. If we want to manage the downsizing of golf and remain attractive to the next generation of golfers, we have to be affordable and fun. Slow golf is not fun, especially to a generation so easily swayed by screens pushing beer commercial lifestyles. So maybe we can't do something about balls and bunkers and pre-shot routines and the green speed arms race, the trampoline face toasters on a stick, but... Perhaps, if we start now, we could do something about the rough. And that's all I have to say about that. It's story time at Rock Bottom Country Club. Today we bring you a golf course Christmas story. Have you ever noticed that the best Christmas in your memory is not measured by the gifts you receive, but by the memories of a great time with the family and close friends? 
Our story begins way back in 1969 at an old golf course out in the desert. Dad had taken his first pro superintendent job. Back then we called it pro greenkeeper because we thought superintendents were only for the rich clubs. Upon arriving at the course, the wicked, evil president of the board tricked Dad into taking on a huge debt in order to provide the club with pro shop inventory, bar inventory, restaurant, course maintenance, equipment, even a fleet of golf carts, although fleet back then meant four carts. Then about Christmas time, they fired Dad, and they paid him a few cents on the dollar for the inventory, and they excommunicated us. The next few holidays were pretty lean, to say the least, and that's when I started using the term Greens of Wrath, equating us to the Joad family as migrant turf workers in a Depression-era lifestyle. But then a few years later, Dad landed his first job as a superintendent without the pro shop punishment part, and even though the debt was still there, we began to really enjoy the golf course life. As Christmas approached that first year at Mystery Valley, we were still on an austerity budget and a fairly severe Spartan lifestyle, so there was no thought of big gifts or exorbitant waste of money like a tree in the house or a, a big Christmas dinner. Now, a superintendent friend of mine had a dad with a similar ability to pinch the nickel until the buffalo screamed. Instead of a tree, he cut limbs off pine trees and stapled them to the wall in the shape of a Christmas tree. But I didn't know about that back then. I just went out into the woods and searched and searched, and eventually I found a small cedar tree perfectly shaped. I dragged it back to the house and built a makeshift tree stand and we had a Christmas tree. Dad was determined to give little brother Mike a substantial gift that year, so he dragged an old national trim mower out of the dump and had the equipment manager remove the reels and get it running. Dad pronounced it a Jeep and on Christmas morning, Mike was thrilled. I received a book by B.B. King for Christmas. It explained his technique for playing the blues and I had a great time with that. We spent the day extracting Mike from all sorts of precarious situations with his Jeep because, you know, his national Jeep had no brakes. and Also, it wouldn't come out of gear, so it made for exciting off-road adventuring. But it was fun. Later that day, our mama, Nancy Jean, produced some hot vegetable soup and home-baked dill bread and yeast rolls, and she had made a chocolate pie and then we wore ourselves out playing golf on an empty golf course. Later, we sat around the wood stove, listening to carols in the light of my puny tree, and thinking it was the best Christmas ever. And it still is. You've been listening to Rock Bottom Radio, broadcasting from deep in the turf net zone. Subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for future episodes. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.